Hello, listeners. This is Mike from 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast you're about to listen to. I just wanted to pop in here real quick before the episode gets started and clear a few things up. Uh, Since our show has a conversational format, you know, we can often get sidetracked or distracted. um, And we're only human, so sometimes we have brain farts and forget that uh, we're in front of a device that can access the entirety of human knowledge. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, early on in the episode, I bring up the tabletop role-playing game Cyberpunk Red, um, and the conversation gets a little sidetracked as White Wolf Publishing gets brought up, uh, and I wanted to make sure I gave proper credit where it's due. Um, I also mentioned that Cyberpunk Red is getting published by CD Projekt Red, who is developing Cyberpunk 2077, uh, the video game. And um, yeah, just to kind of clear things up and set the record straight here. So Cyberpunk 2020 and Cyberpunk Red, the uh, tabletop role-playing games, are both a creation of Mike Pondsmith and published by our Talsorian Games. Um, Red is a property of CD Projekt Red, but it is still being developed by the original creators and the original publishing house. Uh, Yeah, so now that that's all cleared up, um, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, a show about uh, D&D and other tabletop RPGs and such. Uh, I'm Mike Daniel, and I am joined, as always, by Rob Mackey. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm all right, Mike. How are you doing? Doing great. Ready to talk about some nerdy shit that we all uh, love. Uh, for sure. Sounds good. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, like I said, we're here to talk about D&D and other tabletop RPGs and uh, generally be nerds about other nerdy things. Uh, today we are taking a look at tips for players of D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Um, a lot of our tips will kind of be informed by Dungeons & Dragons, because that's what we play most, but uh, can be applied to any tabletop RPG, I'd say. I mean, yeah, except I guess the stuff about what kind of class you want to play isn't always like... For sure. You know, but there, There'll still... be some D&D specific things, but a lot of it is is general principles for just sitting around uh, with some friends and making up stories and having a good time. It's true. And I mean, I guess I suppose that like a lot of games are similar in that there's like, do you want to be the guy that's like up front, like doing like Rutger Hauer and Blade Runner where you're just squeezing some dude's head or like, (laughs) do you want to, do you want to be in back and doing some other pew pew type stuff? For sure. Yeah. There are a lot of similar roles throughout all the various tabletop RPGs. You know, are you a tank? Are you a support? Are you a range person? Um, Are you someone who mixes it up and kind of can switch back and forth between the two? Do you do magic or um, melee or, you know, again, ranged combat, stuff like that. Um, So let's let's, uh, start here with the most important rule. Rule number one for me, uh, for all players, is always don't be a dick. (laughs) it's very very important to remember that you're here to play with people and have a good time um and uh don't shit on someone else's fun when they're having fun for sure yeah don't shit on anybody else's fun because first off it's not hurting you right 
like they're enjoying themselves their own way and if that's not your way that's valid right so like yeah let them have their good time and you will get your own chance to have your own good time when it's your turn it's all good and you know it's just good life advice right don't be a dick (laughs) for sure rule number one don't be a dick (laughs) don't do it um yeah and for like if you're a new player i would also say don't worry too much about the rules um yeah you're going to need to know some things and you're going to be learning how your character and how your class and all those abilities and things work uh but don't uh give yourself like an aneurysm trying to memorize the php before your first session um Uh, some people can do that i am one of those people that likes to have all the rules in my head but uh you know, your your DM's job is to be able to adjudicate the rules. Like, you just need to know what you want to do, how, how like, what you're trying to do in any given moment, and the DM can tell you, you know, how that works mechanically within the game, right? 100%. And, like, when I started, because when I started playing D&D especially, because D&D just always has a lot of rules, and 5th edition is um, a bit less like that honestly from like older games but when i started out it was 3.5 uh dnd version 3.5 which is uh who how you say it's dense it's dense, dense. Rules. yeah i was just gonna say it's dense and so it took me like months man and like i was in college and like i'm not i would hesitate to call myself like a smart guy exactly but like (laughs) you know like it still took me a while to like figure it out because you like play once a week and I didn't necessarily have my own PHB at the time especially so like and man I not to get all like old-timey horror stories right off the bat but I don't know if you remember the 3.5 books, but the books, it's a, it's not just that the rules are dense. It's that the books are dense. They're oh, just columns sure. and columns of just text occasionally broke up, but broken up by like some of the artwork, but the artwork tends to be l- more of the sort of like, here's a dude standing around and there's not really a background or anything. And he's just there. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like washed, I guess. I don't like any of the artwork in 3.5, man. <laughs> For sure. Tall. Anyway, but yeah, it took me a long time. I was also high as shit because it was... <laughs> but, you know, yeah, that's often an, you know. an issue um, when yeah. it comes to trying to memorize rules and understand uh, mechanics within gaming systems. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the general idea here is don't worry too much about having all of the rules memorized. Even your DM is not going to have all the rules memorized. He's going to ha- they are going to have to make some uh, calls on the fly occasionally. Um, so yeah, just show up with uh, an idea of like what you want to do and what type of person or adventurer you want to be in this uh, in the setting that your your DM's um, making up here. And um, yeah, kind of let them tell you how things might work or you know what to do uh one of the best things as a dm actually is when players are asking questions i personally love when players have questions especially new players about how they can do things and what they can or can't do in in any given situation so word dms love asking dms love questions so ask away for sure absolutely 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I kind of want to circle back to, like, um, to get a bit D&D specific again. I kind of want to circle back to the uh, question of, like, um, what kind of character you want to play as. Because I think for a lot of new players, that's a really, like, sticky wicket, as it were. Is that how you use <laughs> for that? For sure. I, uh, you know, it's close enough, I think, so we'll, we'll go with it. Um, but yeah, it can be uh, kind of a, a daunting task or um, tough to, um, you know, parse out exactly what you, you want to do. So what, what's your advice for figuring, figuring that out or navigating that? All right. So uh, the first thing kind of off the bat, um, this is kind of especially for beginner players, because if you don't really know exactly how the game works, Especially, I think there's a very common um, preconception among um, beginning players that, like, you need to have a really thought-out, like, backstory for your character. Like, you need to, Mm -hmm. like, know, like, where they came from exactly and what their whole deal is, really, and, like, what they're, like, trying to find from the, like, you know... Uh, killing and plundering lifestyle or whatever it is get up to. <laughs> right and that's just that's just not true all you really need to know like it can be a bit useful if you have some of some of that stuff but kind of only some of that stuff like you don't right. as you would do if you were actually trying to write like a story it doesn't matter if it's a novel really or even a short story because um in either case you kind of you don't necessarily want to have um everything figured out you kind of want to like um be open to the story uh kind of going in some weird directions or places you didn't really expect so for sure and the same the same is true of your character right just kind of maybe have some vague idea of what they're about and sort of what their personality is kind of like and um Again, 5th edition, like, kind of bakes that into the whole character creation thing in a way that's kind of very helpful, and I appreciate. And they're very trans. um, the core books are very transparent about just kind of exactly what I was saying. Like, you're not going to have this all figured out all at once. Your DM is not going to have this all figured out all at once. Probably not from the start of the thing. So just, um, sketch out the broad strokes and figure out the rest later. It's fine. For sure, yeah, and there are actually some uh, other good examples of this, like Cyberpunk uh, Red. Uh, I've been playing the um, Jumpstarter kit for that as it's getting ready to release here uh, pretty soon, I think. But they have sort of a basic rule set uh, that's available. Um, And in the character creation, you have uh, some options for a life path. And it's really helpful for figuring out, you know, kind of the core of who your person is, but... Uh, leaves a lot of room to expound upon, you know, as you're going through this game that um, you're you're all playing together and the story that you're all telling together. Um, so it's uh, yeah, like like uh, you were saying there, Rob. Like don't you don't need to have every single detail nailed down, but just some like general ideas of where you came from, where you want to go, what you're doing here, like just very vague broad strokes you might say um to have that 
idea together in your head and then sort of let the story unfold from there. Um, Because one thing that's really important about all tabletop RPGs is you need to be able to, you know, find a way to invest yourself within the game that you're playing, right? Like any, even a one shot, like you're not going to benefit really from being a lone wolf that doesn't get along well with others. Like that might be part of your story, but you have to use that um, to find a way to connect with the rest of the party and go on this adventure with them together. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be like you're kind of butting heads with the rest of the table, and that's not really any fun for anybody. Yeah, I would say, I would go so far as to say that this is kind of a one of the more subtler um, subpoints of don't be a dick, I guess. <laughs> for sure. Like, some intra-party conflict is fine, but if you're going... I'm not going to say don't ever, ever do that sort of thing where it's like, oh, I'm like Mr. Lone Wolf, dude, and I like ride by myself and I do things alone or whatever. Like, (laughs) I'm not saying don't ever, ever do that. But if you're thinking about doing that, just kind of make like double sure that both uh, the rest of the people, the actual people you're playing with are cool with that and make sure your DM's cool with it, too. Right, uh, yeah. So it's it's okay if your character has those attributes, but you as a player can't be having those attributes. You have to be able to communicate with the rest of the, the, the table um, in some way and be able to play with them, even if your character is a little bit standoffish or, you know, doesn't want to open up too much about their past or their motivations for things or, you know, whatever. Um, you still need to, as a player, have that ability to interact with the people that you're around the table with word 100 percent. i uh i have a question for you though so um what's Shoot. the deal with this uh cyberpunk red business what's it's like deal how many kinds of weird dice are involved i'm curious <laughs> to know yeah uh it's actually pretty simple everything is kind of based around uh, a d10 roll um plus your stats um, and interestingly, unlike Dungeons and Dragons, where you have your ability score, and then you that gives you like a modifier. So in Cyberpunk, you have your score for a stat, and then you use that score as the modifier to your rolls. So if you have like, you know, a 10 in reflex, anytime you need to make a reflex roll to like dodge out of the way of someone trying to hit you with their knife or whatever, um, then you make your roll of a d10 plus your 10 to your reflex and then plus whatever you know bonuses you might have to that situation um and then so all the rolls and the the core rolls are all going to be d10s and then any like damage rolls um are d6s and it's usually one or two d6 um, that you're rolling sometimes three d6 with certain weapons and stuff like that but yeah generally in that realm sure um, okay. Yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting system. I, I recommend everyone checking it out. Uh, you can get the Jump Starter kit um, on the uh, Drive Through RPG for like ten to fifteen bucks or something right now. So check it out; it's a lot of fun. Um, and especially if you want to play an RPG, but you're not really into like the high fantasy stuff, and you want something that's more like sci-fi, but in a way that's grounded in reality, that's certainly a really good game for you. All right, cool. I was, well, I'm curious. Do you know who publishes it? Because you said it uses D10s, and me being a like, 
a zombie survivor from the 90s, uh, my brain immediately was like, oh, shit, does White Wolf do that? Because White Wolf's whole thing back in the day was like, all our shit is D10s. D10 system, yeah, for sure. No, it's not White Wolf. Um, I can't remember offhand who it is. I would have to um, circle back on that one. Uh, maybe we can just do a whole episode that's like Cyberpunk Red uh, once the actual uh, rule set gets published. I, I think that'd be pretty cool. But... Um, Word. Yeah, so I, I know Cyberpunk Red is being uh, published by a company that is a sort of subset of CD Projekt Red, who's publishing the Cyberpunk 2077 game, um, a video game, I should say. Um, so they are working in collaboration with the original Cyberpunk um, tabletop game creator to make this like new edition, essentially, and publishing it under their own publishing house. But... Uh, Fuck me if I can remember who that is right offhand. Okay, fair. All right. I was just curious because, again, my, like, old tabletop lizard brain went in that direction, so. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's um, I, I, and I'm, you know, unfortunately not very familiar with the White Wolf um, mechanics, although I definitely would be interested in playing a Vampire the Masquerade game at some point. Um or any of their other games. I've heard that Mage is a lot of fun, uh, but I, I'm just yeah, not Mage. super familiar with their system. So, Yeah, I actually have not um, played any of them either myself. I just kind of know them by reputation. Mage in particular sure. is one that has always interested me because um, the idea, I guess, is you have to keep making up different stuff for what you're doing basically mm, which mm -hmm. is sounds like a very fun sort of improv exercise sort of deal yeah absolutely um and to kind of get us back on topic of like general rpg uh player tips uh brush up on your improv skills um you don't need to be like a master improviser or anything but being able to think at least somewhat quickly on your feet is certainly a huge part of tabletop rpgs because um you know you guys are all the players are all sort of making this story up together right like the dm or the gm regarding you know depending on the system that you're using they're kind of tending the story and they have an idea about you know where this is all going um although they're often kind of making things up on the fly as well um but it is um there's a lot of improvisational aspects to tabletop rpgs in general um and you need to be able to, um, like I said, like kind of think on your feet, make adjustments and come up with stuff uh, sort of on the fly. Um, or maybe just have like a, you know, list of things that you can pull from. I, in my games, often end up pulling from stories and things that I read or shows or games that I've played and watched and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of like... Another kind of point um, that I've kind of been thinking a lot lately, especially, um, is that in tabletop games, familiarity is good. Don't worry about, like, being cliche, I guess. Because, again, like, everybody's kind of in it um, together, and we all have our own cultural touchstones, and honestly, part of the fun can be, like, kind of, you know, here, let's do this thing that really reminds us of this other thing, like, I don't right. know, 
just for like a broad example it's like oh you're going into the temple to remove the ancient golden idol from the like thing and it's like oh so like raiders of the lost ark yeah exactly that can Mm -hmm. be that can be a lot of fun because yeah that's part of the deal so don't um don't feel that you have to stretch yourself too far to be like original and if you're worried that like some of the people are playing are going to be like oh oh yeah well sure like i guess you got that i wonder who else has seen a fucking uh full metal alchemist or whatever like (laughs) right they're breaking rule one right there man like (laughs) exactly so don't worry about those guys yeah, for sure. And that, that kind of actually fits into the idea of like playing the type of character that you want to play too, right? Like if you're if you're coming to a game and you're like, oh yeah, I want to play as, I want to be Ed Elric or Al, Al or, you know, whichever of the Elric brothers you want to be because you just got done watching Full Metal Alchemist. And you're like, yeah, this show kicks so much ass. I want to do that. Then yeah, do that. <laughs> if that's your power fantasy, then do that thing. So 100% as Mike, can <laughs> yeah. at, as Mike can attest, not uh, my current character in Mike's game, but my previous one was basically kind of a like stapling together of Roland from Dark Tower. And actually more than that was kind of like Conan the Barbarian, but like also more drunk and extroverted. basically. <laughs> right. And it was a blast <laughs> and it was great. Absolutely. So yeah, don't don't be afraid of pulling inspiration from things that are familiar to you and going to be familiar to others. Um, and that can honestly help like other people interact with you as well. If like, oh, well, I know this person is, uh, you know, an Indiana Jones type character. So I know I have an idea of what it's going to be like to interact with this person or what things might, you know, trigger this person. Like, do they have a fear of snakes or is it something else that this person is deathly afraid of that I can bring up and kind of goad them with uh, stuff like that? Yeah. I kind of want to talk about um, the class selection aspect of D and D. For sure, we talked about talking about that and didn't actually do it. So it's <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> Such is the glory of the podcast format. Indeed. <laughs> tangents upon tangents, wheels within oh, wheels. Yes. My design is coming to fruition. Okay, I'll stop. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the way I usually look at it, I kind of have. Um, I haven't written this down ever, and maybe I should. Um, because it would probably be useful but i kind of have it as like a flow chart and the flow chart if i'm like somebody's asking me what kind of uh what class they want to play basically and the flow chart mm-hmm. starts very simply with would you do you, you want to use magic or not basically mm-hmm. for sure um would you rather be like fighting with weapons or would you ra- most of the time or would you rather be fighting with magic most of the time and then or helping with magic most of the time i guess because clerics remain a thing <laughs> yes uh and from there i kind of go through it so like so if you think about the martial classes right you got barbarians fighters Circle of the Moon Druids kind of are a bit more like that, but let's put them to the side for right now. Yeah, they're kind of their own thing, for sure. Yeah. So we got Barbarians, Fighters, um, Paladins, which are also, they're definitely more on the, like, fighty side, but 
um, we'd be lying if we said has some magic as well for sure. Yeah, definitely. Rangers also have some magic, but um, they're kind of both paladins and rangers. The their magic is kind of a like utility thing. It mostly just makes them better at what they're already doing. Right. So you got those four, and then there's uh there's rogue if you like stealing things, basically. <laughs> right, and the monk if you like just punching things, but not in a oh, angry right. way like the barbarian. How did I forget about monks? I was just like, Can't okay. ever forget about the monks, man. I know. I'm just like, I'm going to go through an <laughs> alphabetical order. I'm going to remember every single one, and I'm going to go through their whole like, gestalt <laughs> real quick, and it's going to be great. And then I beefed. <sighs> How could you, Rob? You let all of us down. You I call yourself s- a nerd. I need yeah, I need to stare off sadly <laughs> into the middle distance for like eight minutes. We have to keep recording right, while, while some I'm doing sad it. piano music is playing. Yeah, let's yeah. let's just do that real quick here. And yeah. uh... <laughs> no, we're not cutting this out. This has to be part of the thing <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm not doing that. Uh... Uh, yeah. So those are the kind of the main martial classes there, um, and they have their own unique ways of fighting mostly with weapons um as we said the paladin and the ranger both have some spell capabilities as well and interestingly enough certain uh subclasses of the cleric can also fit in here like the war cleric and forge domains and stuff like that um and as rob alluded to earlier the uh circle of the moon druids also are a little bit of a martial class but in a very different and unique way cleric domains are kind of a whole thing probably have to probably have to do a whole episode just on cleric domains just to kind of really break all of those down because uh, they are numerous and probably offer the most variation in subclasses of any of the core classes in D&D maybe we can fight about that later I, or yeah, people okay. can fight with <laughs> us about that <laughs> um, keep that we'll keep that one in our back pockets <laughs> exactly exactly um but yeah, so uh, the martial classes, again, like kind of focus on using weapons in combat. And then there are the spellcasting focus classes, which I guess, Rob, do you want to try and go through those in alphabetical order and redeem yourself a little bit? Uh, no, because I don't actually want to go through them in alphabetical order this time. <laughs> Okay. Because <laughs> okay. this time the flowchart kind of like, re- at this point, the flowchart sort of resets. Because magic is kind of its whole thing. It um, Fifth edition is much more simple and streamlined than previous editions, but magic is still a whole other kettle of fish, and I regard it as such. <laughs> For sure. So basically, um, the first thing is like, do you... Um, the first one is, how interested are you in like support generally? Basically. Yeah, so maybe a good question is, what do you want to do with your magic? Do you want to yeah, attack, that, or do you want to support with your magic? That's a better way to look at it, yeah. Do you want to attack, or do you want to support? If you want to support, uh, do you want... Your choices, then, are really... There's... Well, there's three, aren't there? Because the bard definitely counts as support. For sure. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. Yeah. Um, 
there are exceptions to all of these things but yeah there are exceptions to all of these things bards have a lot of subclasses too that kind of go off in their own directions especially some of the newer ones but anyway so you got your bards and your clerics and your druids um uh bards are the coolest guys in the room always clerics are you know preachy <laughs> i guess they're often the mom friend for sure i feel like i've uh, sa- uh said a few things that sound like they disparage the cleric but uh, i say this <laughs> with love because as mike can attest i play cleric whenever the opportunity presents itself i love it yeah clerics are a great class yes indeed although yes i do end up playing a party mom like <laughs> it's, you know if i didn't find it like at least for perversely sure. enjoyable like i wouldn't do it right like i do it to myself and it's like part of the thing and that's fine and then you got druids and druids are a bit hmm what's the word or phrase that best con- condenses their essence hmm they're very, I want to say, crunchy, I guess. Yeah, a little bit, because not only do you have the um, spellcasting abilities, you also get the uh, wild shape, which allows you to transform into creatures, which if you're going to do that, you need to also be able to have access to a lot of stat blocks for the creatures that you're going to be transforming into, right? So you're not just knowing all of your own stuff and all of the magic that you can cast, but also what can all these creatures do that I can turn into? Like, what's the difference between, you know, being a, uh, a, a wolf and uh, turning into like an, uh, you know, an octopus or something like they have a lot of different abilities between those two creatures. Right. So for sure. Um, gotta, you, you have a lot that you have to kind of keep, uh, keep tabs on. We'll say. Um, and they can, they can also kind of bridge the gap between support and attack, right? Like some of the subclasses, are a little bit more of the support casters. Um, And then there are some like the circle of spores that is very much like, uh, well, I'm using my wild shape instead of turning into a creature, I'm just poisoning the air around me. And I have all these spells that I'm casting as well uh, to do damage to people. Uh, Whereas, you know, the circle of the moon, let's say, like your main focus is turning into more powerful creatures and then you're magic kind of supports the party a lot of times or if you're throwing down like moonbeam or call lightning or something like you have one thing that's out there and doing damage and then you're not focusing on that as much in your your wild shape but they're also healers sometimes you know you can be the party healer and be a druid no problem it's a valid way to play the class for sure although i feel like um at least in my own experience, I feel like most of the people I've seen play Druid in 5th edition are a bit more, um, I guess, interested in the other aspects. Whether that be the more of the wild shape stuff or the other spell casting stuff. Because a lot of it is pretty cool. It really is. So should we take a second then to talk about some of the more offensive um, spellcaster yes, classes? Yes, for sure. So at this point, um, if you're going more offensive, this in my like fake flowchart that is written down nowhere and exists only in the chaos of my brain. (laughs) So then we reset again. And because the, the first question there is like, do you want to be smart or do you want to be charismatic? Because it's kind of, and to a certain extent, um, especially in fifth edition, 
Well, maybe not especially, but like to a certain extent, it is kind of like the difference is kind of in the uh, how do you say just not so much what you're doing in combat, but it, the difference is kind of like around the other skills that you're going to be using a lot of times when you're not in combat at all. Um, that's kind of the For that's sure. the real break there, right? So if you want to be smart, you're the wizard. Hooray! Wizards are cool. Wizards are nice and they're fun. And um, there are you get all they get of the all of the spells. spells, man. Not all of them, but <laughs> so many spells for sure. As a wizard, you could potentially learn all of them if you just want to spend all of your time going and finding spell scrolls and other wizards. Uh, spell books and shit and writing all of them down you can totally do that and learn all of the wizard spells ever um, sure. whenever i'm running and somebody a game and somebody is playing a wizard i always make sure to add additional scrolls for them for sure just because i think that's one of the i think that's one of the cooler things in the game and kind of always has been is just you can learn more things and you can um expand your like you can expand your base of knowledge as long as you're willing to sit down all day in your hotel room or whatever while everybody's out having fun because it takes several hours of game time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just like in real life. Yeah. <sighs> um, but yeah, so that's wizards. Uh, and then there are sorcerers, which are the, uh, the charismatic caster and we'll get to warlocks in just a second but they're charismatic as well but the uh the sorcerers have a decent pool of spells that they can pull from but their thing is in fifth edition especially is being able to manipulate their magic so you get like sorcery points which allows you to kind of spend this magical energy to um, alter your spells in certain ways um, or to give yourself more spell slots and stuff like that um, so you're you're kind of doing the magic manipulation thing. Um, you don't have as many spells that you can learn, but you get them a little bit more powerfully or a little bit more tricksy about how you're doing all of that. I really like playing sorcerers. That's It's kind of my preferred um, caster class, even though it might not have access to all of the spells like a wizard would. Um, I still think there's a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had with oh I'm gonna twin spell haste on the druid and on the monk and I'm just gonna sit back here and let them go do right. their thing. Yeah, I think there's a certain um, because of the particulars. Well, this isn't as true as it used to be of um, especially compared to like 3.5, but um, the particulars of sorcerer to, uh, two are also well suited to. Um, what's it? I'm just going to have all the stuff that I, um, know what it is and know what it does. And then I will, then you just kind of have a bit greater freedom than the wizard to just use that kind of however you want. Um, and I think that's very useful, especially, especially for new players. Um, again, fifth edition pretty streamlined pretty easy to use for most part so if you're playing for your very first time and you really want to be a wizard by all means go for it but if you're kind of on the fence um and it's your first time playing uh i would kind of i would in fact give a very polite elbow nudge towards the sorcerer only if you're on the fence though like yeah for sure 
Yeah, unless you're someone who really loves like delving into learning everything about um, all of the different spells uh, and so forth and the magic systems, then I would say maybe start with a sorcerer just to kind of get your feet wet into how magic works. And then maybe after that, if you want to go deeper into it, you can play the wizard um, and just Word. go all of the way into the spellcaster. And then we have warlocks who are weird. Then we have warlocks. Yes, and they are weird indeed. Warlocks are kind of your blaster caster, where everything that they cast is at the highest possible level that they can cast it. They only have like two to three spell slots at a time, but they get those back much more quickly than a sorcerer or a wizard does who has to spend a long rest. Warlocks get them back on a short rest. And um, yeah, they're just very powerful uh, in terms of how they're casting all of their spells. So any spell that they learn, regardless of what level it is, when they cast with their slot, it's getting cast at the highest potential for um, them as a character, depending on their level and what level they can cast. Word. They're also kind of worth noting, too, with Warlocks, that um, this kind of ties in a bit more with like what type of character you want to play. Um, but warlocks are a bit, um, they are spooky flavored, generally speaking. <laughs> right. They, they tend to be the edgelords of spellcasting, um, unless you're <laughs> playing the celestial warlock, I guess. But otherwise, yeah. Even yeah. with the fae, uh, fae-packed warlock, you can still be a little bit of an ed edgelord. Uh, maybe more of a scene kid than a, you know, emo or goth kid, but... Yeah. yeah for <laughs> sure like it's just like i don't fit in with society I just, <laughs> right yeah this isn't for me i have this dark pact and this patron looming over me you wouldn't understand <laughs> for sure yeah and they're also with warlocks a bit more serious so i think even more than sorcerer if like they're like they're very different um the th these three classes are very different, I would say. Um, but the Warlock, I think, even more so than the Sorcerer, is kind of the easiest to use. Just because you have yeah. um, you have the fewest decisions to make on a game-to-game -game basis, right? You're going to, like, most of the time when you're fighting you're going to be uh doing your eldritch blast pew pew lasers at uh whatever thing you want to send them at and that's fine and it's a lot of fun and uh yeah i so think uh warlocks get a lot of shit for casting eldritch blast often but it's no different than like the fighter you know hitting the thing with its sword or the monk punching things on its turn like your that's your main attack so it's going to get spammed a little bit more than the others um so a warlock might not have as much versatility in combat um but they they do like i said earlier they're kind of the more powerful caster in that everything is intense always um yes yeah, I was just going to say, whenever you're doing something that is not your Eldritch Blast pew pew lasers, you're going to, like, it's going to be kind of ridiculous. That's all I was going to say. Absolutely. Yeah, and you get the invocations, which kind of alter your spells or give you some, like, free spells, like the ability to ha just have uh, detect magic up all of the time, essentially, unless you're concentrating on something else. Um, or you lose concentration because you take a lot of damage. 
but um, yeah, it's like allows you to do to cast spells, certain spells for free, which is great, um, and not burn those precious spell slots that you have as a warlock. Precious, precious spell slots. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I kind of want to talk a bit more because, so yeah, those are the spell casting classes. I kind of want to circle back to the martial classes again because you may think like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, hit sword, go bloody boom, whatever. And yeah, there's <laughs> kind of that, but there are substantial differences that are worth parsing. Um, so I kind of separate them into... Um, Again, I, I kind of separate them into a couple different categories. Are you more of a tank or are you more about damage? And within that, I would say that fighters and paladins are more tanks generally. Fighters are weird because you can kind of do whatever the hell you want. But mm -hmm. in general, I would say most people who are playing fighters are going to be a tank of some description. Fighters and paladins are the real tanks. Um, barbarians are... They they have so many dang hit points, yes, but they go through them very quickly, so <laughs> I, hesitate, I hesitate to call them tanks most of the time. For sure. Um, I mean, you definitely can be the tank in a party if you're a barbarian, especially, you know, if you're raging, at, you know, at the start of every combat, you're going to be taking half the amount of normal damage and as far as, like you know, from weapon attacks. Um, yep. So they, they can be tanky, but um, certainly not quite as much of a tank as the fighter or the paladin who has an AC of like 20 plus, you know, very early on. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, that's a good point because like, say you're in a situation where there's like three or four players and one of them wants to really wants to be a wizard and the other really wants to be a... Who else is squishy? Let's say Bard. Uh, let's yeah, let's Bard, let, sure. let's say Bard just for the sake of argument here. And like, and it's just like, well, we need somebody to be like kind of tanky. Don't let that sort of situation scare you off from being the barbarian. You will be perfectly serviceable in that role. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just you're a bit more about the damagey stuff. And um, Rangers, uh, I'm going to jump to Rangers because I'm thinking about it. Uh, Fair. Yeah. Rangers get a bad rap in fifth edition to a certain extent. Um, that's because one of the archetypes, uh, in particular, is called Beastmaster, which is more or less exactly what it sounds like. Um, and is kind of less than the sum of its parts. I've read. I have not played a Beastmaster myself. I've not seen anybody else actually do it. Um, but I've seen a lot of complaints on the internet, uh, to the effect of like, I tried to play as a Beastmaster and it wasn't that fun and, oh, well, these things happen. For sure. Yeah. Just the, the general build of the Rangers is a little, uh, lackluster, especially at higher levels. Like if you're playing a higher than 10th level Ranger, why? <laughs> right like get to level 10 in ranger uh and then you know multi-class into something else is my recommendation because hmm. uh, a lot of the abilities just aren't as good as other things that you can get from other classes not that it's bad i think 
I think the Ranger gets shit on unduly a lot, but there are definitely some issues with it, especially in the second half of uh, its, its level increase. Um, and the Beastmaster in particular suffers from this because your Beast Companion sort of takes up your action until you're at fifth level, essentially. So, so there are two levels where you get to choose whether you're attacking with your Beast Companion or whether you're attacking yourself on your turn. Um, and you know, once you have an extra attack, then you get to attack once and your beast gets to attack once. And that's fine, but um, I don't know. It just compared to some other like uh, classes that are controlling creatures, then like using their bonus action to do that, right? Like a druid summons a whole bunch of, you know, woodland beings around and it uses its bonus action to give them commands. And then they do things on their own turn. Whereas if you're the beast master ranger, you have your beast companion and it is attacking as part of your turn and taking up part of your own character's actions, which is uh, just a little rough. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like, you kind of get the sense that like, it's tough because everybody else who summons things uh, gets to like use the things they summoned and then also do something else. It kind of like exactly separates or maybe not separates. You feel like you have you you feel like you have less agency in that situation, and that's not great. Mm-hmm. Although I was I actually uh, inspired by your comments, I busted out my PHB, which I keep on me at all times in all situations. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> yes, know, man. Just have it in your back pocket. Yeah. Yes. I shrink it down and then I respawn. It's like one of those like um, foam dinosaurs from back in the day. Like I just have it in. My... <laughs> yeah. Just add water and you have a dinosaur. Yeah. Or your player's handbook. Or your player's handbook. Yeah. Anyway, I was taking a look at it. It's like, really? After level 10? I don't know if it's that bad. But like vanish is neat. That takes you that takes you up to level 14. But like. I think that's for neat. sure, but vanish. I think it takes you, you. You have to spend a minute or ten minutes, maybe setting that up, right? Like it's it's not, it's just not functional in a quick sense. Whereas there are spells that can cover that same ability in an action. Now you, so. I think you might be thinking a hide in plain sight. Oh, you know what? You you're right. Yeah. You're right. Vanish is just you get to hide as a bonus action, which okay that's gotcha. pretty neat although i think which rogues get is neat soon. but rogues get it at at second level yeah so okay <laughs> you're getting something at 14th level that the rogue has been able to do since pretty much the start of the game so, so if you multi-classed at 11th level into rogue you would have it sooner right great job guys <sighs> i'm trying to build an argument yeah. guys so uh, again like it's not bad like there's good stuff in there it's just not put together well like if vanish was an ability that you got at like fifth level let's say uh, along with your extra attack then that'd be dope um but because you're getting at 14th level it's like uh, i mean comparing that to some of the other things that characters get at 14th level it just doesn't uh it's not up to par with the rest of them yeah and that's where that's why the ranger gets a lot of flack is because it does get some neat stuff, but considering the level that you're getting these things at and what's going on with other people at that level, you're just not able to. It's just you're not keeping up as much as a lot of people would like to, I think, which 
you know, again, like I'm not trying to bash the ranger. I really enjoy playing rangers and I enjoy having them at my table and as part of the party. But there are some flaws within the design of the class itself that, um, yeah, there's a can be can be tough to deal with, especially if you don't know what you're doing kind of going into it and you're expecting to get, you know, to power scale along with the rest of the party and then it doesn't. Uh, you can kind of feel like you've been let down by your, your class structure. Yeah. I feel like the conversation of um, choosing a class or even an archetype within a class based on what you think is sounds cool and what is like... <sighs> Here, I get real thick in the weeds. What is considered good, I guess is kind of a mm -hmm. whole thing i have a whole th yeah for sure um but yeah rangers are fun i think i think the hunter has a lot of really cool i think it's kind of come around to the point where oh yeah hunters for sure are just underrated you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. they have some for sure things. yeah a lot of the there there are other subclasses beyond the beastmaster that are pretty good like the uh the horizon walker and gloomstalker uh, from Xanathar's Guide, both excellent subclasses. The Hunter is pretty solid as well, uh, being a core rulebook class. So, um, yeah, like, uh, again, Rangers are, are pretty good, and I, I enjoy them, but I definitely, like, I see the flaws in the design, and I have to acknowledge that, even though I do think it's a good class and doesn't deserve a lot of the shit that it gets. Word. Yes. Um, so, yeah. But something that you said actually kind of gets us a little bit back on track to the flowchart here with, you know, what you think is cool or, you know, good within a party dynamic or just to play as a character yourself. Like, that's what you should really be thinking about as you are making your choice for what you're going to do, right? So the, you're, to kind of get us back to the flowchart here, like, what do you want to do with your character that you're playing in this adventuring party is really the beginning of figuring out what type of class or what class or subclass or whatever that you ultimately want to play as do you do you want to be the tank do you want to deal out a lot of melee damage do you want to be a support person do you want to be uh you know a caster that's <laughs> dropping fireballs on everybody do you want to be sort of a mix of that like magic and melee uh, and a little bit of support in there. Well, then you should probably just be a paladin. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it all comes down to that core idea of what do you think is, is fun and what do you think is going to be fun to do and cool and, you know, what is your power fantasy? And explain that to your DM if you're trying to figure out what class you want to play, your DM or your GM or whatever. Um, and they can probably help you figure out where you should go from there. Word, 100%. Or if you have the poor fortune, as I did, of the first time you play. This wasn't poor because, again, this led me to the cleric and developing my lifelong love of clerics. And you join a game late. That's already been happening for a few sessions. And they tell you, oh, uh -huh. so we need a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> right. That does happen. Yep. Uh, yes, yeah, so we've talked a lot about um, sort of like classes and tips for some new players. Um, I think we should also take just a quick second to touch on like table etiquette, um, just in terms of how to, you know, interact with other people. 
Uh, we touched on a little, little bit at the top here by saying, you know, don't be a dick, don't shoot up, shit on other people's fun. Um, but Rob, do you have any any tips for players on how to be a part of a gaming table? Ooh, that's kind of, I mean, most of them, they fall under kind of don't be a dick, right? I think... Um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's why it's rule number one. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because, like, as long as you're, like, um, what's to say? I think here's, here's one that kind of has, like, a thing. Um, this is kind of a subtler point, um, I guess, but, well, fuck it. Anyway, so, like, you have to accept that sometimes, like, you're rolling dice. This is a game of luck in that sense. You are going mm -hmm. to come up with, you are more than once, like, you are going to come up with this an idea where it's like, oh, my God, I could do this, and this, then this, and then this other thing, and then I jump off the, and then I jump off the giant's back and then stab it of uh, the other giant through the heart or whatever type stuff. And then <laughs> right. either because... I don't know you like maybe you rolled low initiative so everybody takes out everybody else before you or your thing your idea is no longer set up or maybe you just get a chance to try it and then you roll like a three and then it does not work at <laughs> right. all these things happen like and so like it's always like it can be it can range from it can range from like eh whatever it's cool to like actually genuinely dispiriting when these sorts of things happen and the thing you want to make sure just try not like let yourself like feel your feelings by all means certainly but don't like try not to sulk too much because you'll get another shot someday and this is the, and it's this and also just failure is part of the game sometimes yeah absolutely i mean and and i think finding a way to enjoy failing at something is a big part of learning how to play D&D &D or any any tabletop rpg really um is like yeah i didn't do what i wanted to do but how does that play out rather than just oh i tried to hit it and i didn't Right. Like find something funny to say, like when I, I like to, you know, add flavor to combat as a DM. So like, oh, you didn't quite hit him, but you rolled decent. So you you smack the person, but your attack wasn't strong enough to get through their armor. And now they're like laughing at you for being puny. Right. So, OK, well, when I actually get to hit this person, I'm going to be that much more pissed off and hit that much harder. Um or if I totally whiff, like, you know, I go to swing the thing at my sword and the guy steps out of the way and I spin in a circle and fall on my ass. Like, you gotta find a way to have fun with the failures as much as with the successes. For sure. 100%. And um, what else was I gonna say? Yeah, um, this is kind of another um, one, not really related, but again, also a subset of Don't Be a Dick is that. Um, uh, try not to view yourself as like the main character or whatever. Oh, for but sure. Yeah, that doesn't exist. That's not a thing. Every you're all in this together, and you're all having like fun together. And um, 
<laughs> I guess if I guess if everybody's just like, yeah, I'm down for that, sure, totally. But I've never really seen that happen. I guess it's like, yeah, sure. Rob, you do yeah. all the cool stuff while we just kind of hang out and maybe give you a nice pat on the back from time to time. <laughs> right. Yeah. I um. We'll, we'll get into this when we talk our DM tips next episode. But I like to have what I call a, a roaming spotlight, right? Like I'm stepping, you know, you're stepping into the spotlight now during this split second or during this adventure or this turn in combat or whatever. Um, and you're kind of stepping forward and having your moment to shine. But you need to be able to let that moment pass and pass that spotlight onto someone else. You can't try to always be in the spotlight yourself. For sure. That's a good idea. We'll get into that later, of course. But yeah. For sure, yeah. Next episode, we can talk a little bit more in depth about how to do that from the DM's perspective. Um, yeah, there is not insignificant overlap between uh, playing advice and DMing advice. Uh, absolutely. Um, speaking of things for uh, DM-related tips, um, it, it's important for new and veteran players alike to always remember that the DM has the final say. Um, you know, I've played in games with a lot of rules lawyers, and they like to sometimes argue the point relentlessly, um, whether, you know, they feel like a DM's ruling was wrong or whatever. They, the DM or your GM always has final say of how something works in any given situation. And you, as a player, don't get to override that in any way. Um, if you have, like, a real problem with something, with a call that the DM made during a session you know, maybe talk to them afterwards and say like, hey, you know, I know this was heat of the moment type thing and such and such happened, but this is what the rules say. So, you know, in the future, could we try to do it a little bit more like what's going on, you know, as far as mechanics from the book or whatever, but don't interrupt the game to say no DM or GM. That's not how that works. Yeah. Um, unless your DM is like really struggling to remember how a certain mechanic works and you happen to know that, then you can speak up and say, well, this is what the rules say. So you interpret that however you like. For sure. Um, I think um, it's yeah. a it's kind of a subtle balance, right? Because like you said, um, if you feel that you have been like done dirty by your DM, like you, you have... S you have rights, right? <laughs> like you can't, you'd <laughs> right, like, for you, sure. You don't have to be like, well, that you don't have to sit with that, but yeah, try not don't right. derail the game. Try not to interrupt the game too much. Yeah, yeah. But try and find a way to talk to your DM about it after basically. Maybe right. that's like, yeah. And unless it's something that is like, Oh, this is going to kill my character. <laughs> and then you have a moment to say like, Hey, no, like, fuck you. Don't do that because I'm about to die if you do that. Um, th then it's okay. Uh, and, and if your DM is trying to do something that makes you, you know, uh, uncomfortable um, as a player and they're trying to take your character or the story somewhere that you don't want to go, you should feel free to let them know that in the moment, right? You can speak up and say, like, I'm not comfortable with the way that we're going right now. So can we, like, pause or stop or redirect this or something? Um, don't ever let the DM just say like, no, I have, you know, final say here. So this is what's happening in the game regardless. Right. Like, especially if you're feeling uncomfortable or, or unsafe in that space. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is kind of the flip side too. I think of like the DM has final say is like, you kind of like, 
like you you should be like the person who decides like what you actually do or try to do i guess does that make sense yeah absolutely you you, your dm should never be able to role play your character for you right exactly Um, which is something that i occasionally have a frustration about with one of my dms uh, because he will occasionally like when i you know me or any of our players like fail at something he will determine you know what we are doing or how we're trying to do something and i'm like that's not the way that my character would try and do that but eh, it's fine um unless it's something that's like completely alters you know the fundamentalness of who my character is i'm probably not going to speak up too much at that time um because i ultimately have say in who my character is and how they do things um it's just you know occasionally he'll step in and kind of over step step over that line a little bit more than i like um but not not in an awful way but if he does then i am prepared to to speak up yeah anyway that was a little bit of a rant about my personal experience with some dms um it's okay i think i get it now i'm like i'm kind of (laughs) like again staring off into the middle distance being like oh shit i've totally done that a few times Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it happens as a DM. Um, but to, to kind of circle back on the, um, you know, uh, safety issues, we'll say, uh, you know, if you're uncomfortable with something that either your DM or one of the other players is doing and you feel unsafe, you should always be able to speak up and, um, don't let that fear of interrupting the game with that stop you from saying something. Um, and, and the same is on the other side of the coin, right? Like if you're having a good time and going down a path and then someone else says like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm uncomfortable or I don't feel safe with where you're taking the story. You need to acknowledge that they've said that and then stop doing that thing or find a way to, you know, redirect, um, in some way if you can. Word. Or just stop and say, all right, we'll end the scene there and uh, go on to, you know, something else. So we've talked about a lot here today. Anything else that you would want to give as tips for players, whether that be a new player or a veteran? Any final words or closing advice to someone who might be listening? Um, Be chill. Don't worry if you fuck up because we've all been there. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's character dies from time to time just um have fun and um i guess not make sure everybody else is having fun you don't have to be like thirsty about it but like do your part i guess <laughs> uh yeah absolutely that's my closing remarks as well as you know have fun let other people have fun and play well with others <laughs> Weird. or try to anyway uh, well, yeah, so this has been the first episode of 19 Hits the Dragon. Thanks, everybody, for listening, all five of you people out there right now. Um, I, once again, am Mike Daniel, joined, uh, as uh, always, by Rob Mackey. Um, just some quick shout-outs here uh, to our editor, my fiance Hannah Miller, um, and to the uh, person who made our score, which is um rob's brother uh paul mackie word 
And uh, just uh, real quick, uh, we do have legitimate contact information. If you want to contact us, feel free to reach out to us by email at 19hitsthedragon. That's the number 19 hits the dragon, all one word, at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at 19 hits the dragon. Again, that's the number 19 hits the dragon, all one word. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, please, uh, you know, like, subscribe, leave a rating or whatever you can do from wherever you're getting this podcast. Uh, it helps us out, helps our uh, little channel or little podcast grow into hopefully something big one day. So uh, we always appreciate any any feedback. Uh, and uh, yeah, we thank you for listening and hope that you've had a good time. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks a bunch. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.